Good morning. Are you guys excited for Christmas? Woo! It looks like Christmas in here. It's going to sound like Christmas in here because of your voices. Let's stand as we get ready to worship together. Angels we have heard on high. Worshiping with you this morning, the second week of Advent. Who's in the Christmas spirit? Yes! Oh my goodness. My wife and I, we've been watching all these Netflix Christmas movies. The romantic ones, the animated ones. Last night we watched Scrooge. Uh, it's a new Netflix animated kids movie, which we love. And it gets a little emotional at the end. And anytime emotional things happen in movies, my wife is sitting there and she goes, 
looks up at me because I have a, I can get teary-eyed. <laughs> and so there's this song at the end of this movie, and Scrooge sings that he was able to begin again. And it just made me think, when we gather to worship Jesus, we are celebrating and praising the fact that because of him, we can begin again. That is the good news. That's why we're here worshiping together as a family. So welcome. Let's continue praising God. While by the sheep we watched that night, that hiding from an angel cry, how great our joy. Joy, 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 praise be the Lord in heaven on high, praise be the Lord in heaven on high. There shall be born, so he did say, in Bethlehem a child today, how great our joy, how great Joy, 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 praise be the Lord in heaven on high, praise be the Lord in heaven on high. There's a big joy by in a star, this child who shall redeem us all, how great our joy. Cherish well, and ever till our hearts shall fill. How great our joy! How great our joy! Joy, joy, joy! Joy, joy, joy! Praise be the Lord in heaven on high. Praise be the Lord in heaven on high. Praise be the Lord in Amen. Go ahead and have a seat because we have some very special guests.
And I too want to say happy, happy, Merry Christmas to you. But I have a feeling I'm not going to get the same response. I'm, I'm just not. Let's stand as we continue in worship. Our Savior was born on Christmas Day To save us all from Satan's power When we were gone astray Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy He has come this Jesus, he's the hope for all mankind. He has come for us, the Messiah, born to give us life. From God our Heavenly Father, Blessed angel came And unto certain shepherds Brought tidings of the same That down in Bethlehem Was born the Son of God by name Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy has come for us this Jesus he's a hope for all mankind he has come for us the Messiah born to give us life and he has come for us this Jesus, he's a hope for all mankind. He has come for us, the Messiah, born to give us Mary's lap 
seat. If you remember a couple weeks ago, I was up here hosting and I totally embarrassed a kid. Anybody was here? Well, I totally embarrassed a kid two weeks ago while I was up here hosting and I owed him a dollar. So I want everyone in the church to see I have the dollar. Now I just need to find the kid and give him the dollar. But I'll do it after the service because if I brought him up right now, then I'd owe him another dollar. So, hey, I got to be a little stingy with those dollars. Hey, welcome. We're so glad you're here. My name is Stephen Weissong. I'm the director of Student Ministries. I like to have a fun time with all of you. 
We got a couple things that we want to tell you about going on in the life of our church this Christmas season. We have a lot of fun stuff happening. The first thing is the kids' Christmas fair. And I know the first question you're going to ask is the first word in there is kids. Can I go if I'm an adult? The answer is yes. We hope you come. We hope you help maybe serve. You can go onto the Church Center app, the Hillside app, and say you're serving. I think we need people in the crafts department on this kids' Christmas fair. We also need people to bring cookies. It always reminds me of Buddy the Elf when he makes the list of things that they're going to... Then we're going to eat a whole roll of Toll House cookie dough. (laughs) We want you to actually bake the cookies and bring them for the kids, and it's going to be really fun. So you can also go to the Hillside app and say that you're going to bring cookies. You don't have to bake the cookies. Actually, in the Hillside E! News email, it said that you can uh, just go to the store and buy some. So if you're taking requests, peanut butter cookies, please. Uh, But yeah, we have the Kids Christmas Fair. It is going to be awesome. One of the goals for this is to outreach into our Park Mead neighborhood. And that's just all of the houses surrounding where the church is. There's a whole neighborhood of people who just need a place to come, feel welcome, experience the love of Jesus. And we're hoping that Hillside is that place. So that's why we do things like the Kids Christmas Fair. It's December 11th, 3 to 5 p.m. We hope you're here. We hope you bring a friend and uh, your family comes and is part of that, and bring those cookies. Okay, next up, uh, Christmas 2022. Here's what's happening here at Hillside. We have our Christmas Eve services on Saturday, December 24th. We have a 5 p.m. and an 11 p.m. The 5 p.m. we're saying is more of a family service. The 11 p.m. is we're calling it our candlelight service, but here's a spoiler. Both services will have candlelight. Go figure. That's pretty fun. So we got that happening Christmas Eve. We hope you're here for that. 5 p.m., 11 p.m. You guys, oh, isn't it so fun? 11 p.m., we're all going, yeah, but normally we're all falling asleep. It's so fun. Christmas just does that to all of us. So Christmas Eve services, 5 p.m., 11 p.m. Then on Christmas Day, we have a 10 a.m. service. If you are here and you want to come and go to church on Christmas We have a 10 10 a.m. service for you. Okay, next up we have our Christmas sharing tree. And I'm going to look at Sherry Nodder. I want to make sure I get all of this right, okay? I'm going to try to streamline it, okay, Sherry? Okay, so if I mess up, you just wave at me. Okay, I owe Sherry. (sighs) Let me make sure here. Sherry, I have a dollar that I could give you. I have $2 in my wallet. Help me. Okay. <laughs> Christmas sharing tree. We, have a, we, we love to give gifts here at Hills. Hillside, can I just say, we are one of the most generous churches I think I've ever been a part of, I've ever seen in action. When it comes to generosity, we always, Hillside always steps up. So every year for Christmas, we like to give gifts to our ministry care partners. These are just different ministries that Hillside helps throughout the year that over Christmas we just give them even more. We bless them with gifts. So out in the lobby we have a Christmas tree. On the Christmas tree there are a bunch of tags that you can go and grab to give a gift to someone who is in need this holiday season. The two biggest things that I'm hearing we need to give are gift cards and jackets 
And the jackets are actually a duo. It comes with jackets and a toy. So those are the two big things that I've been hearing. So if you go out there, you can grab a tag for a jacket, gift card, and then bringing those gifts into Hillside on, I think it's Monday, December 12th. That is really going to bless the different ministry care partners that we are serving with and helping out. And uh, so that's awesome. Another way that we can give, you could grab a tag. Another thing that you could do is if you're going, I don't really want to tag. I don't want to go out and grab a gift. That's totally cool. We have secret shoppers who can go out and get gifts. So you can go on the Hillside app and you can just go to the Christmas sharing tree part and give a financial gift. It could be for, I think, whatever amount you want it to be. And then we have people that they will go and take a tag and buy a gift for someone who's in need. It's Christmas sharing tree is a really cool thing that we do here at Hillside. Did I get it right, Sherry? Okay. No notes. Just studied it all week. Okay, hey, it's our favorite time of the service for a lot of us. We're going to stand up and greet, and as you're greeting people, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? Go. Today we light two candles on the Advent wreath. The first candle is the candle of hope. During Advent we wait in hope. The second candle is the candle of peace because the way was prepared. Because God has come and redeemed the people, we can be at peace. Praise be to the Lord because God has come and redeemed the people. to us a child is and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased.
We're going to move into our time of offering here at Hillside. What I always like to say is you're not just giving to Hillside, you're giving through Hillside so that we can live into our mission of being light in the world. So I'm just going to invite our ushers forward and, uh, and I'll pray for our offering this morning. Lord, as we have entered into the Advent season, it is always an amazing reminder that this is the time that we are celebrating you stepping out of eternity and entering into time. You gave yourself for us so that we could begin again truly. We were trapped in the darkness and you led us into the light. God, everything that we have is a gift from you. It isn't by our own willpower or might that we are able to save ourselves. It's you. Even the things that we think we build up for ourselves here on this earth, God, you have a part in helping us get there. Lord, so as we move into this time of offering, may we just generously give back to you for all of the amazing things you've given to us. Bless us as we celebrate the comfort and joy and peace and hope of this season. And in your awesome, awesome name, amen.
Do you appreciate Sienna's gift to us? That was absolutely magnificent. What a gift. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Dan Seitz, senior pastor here at Hillside. And again, just so good to have you for week two of our Advent series. And I shared last week that when I was a kid, growing up in the not-so-very-rough streets of North San Jose, I remember kids uh, talking about the concept of a big present Christmas, and a big present Christmas was one in which you received a gift that, that made a bigger splash than usual. And I actually remember having this conversation with one of my neighbor kid friends uh, before Christmas, and I remember him telling me that this upcoming Christmas was not going to be a big present Christmas because I think his family had just bought a travel trailer or something like that. Yeah. And I remember thinking, gosh, that's kind of a bummer. But then I thought, you know, family budgets are tight, so it's understandable. This was the 70s with sky-high inflation, okay? But anyway, uh, you know, students, you weren't with us last week uh, when we started the series. You were uh, in your usual place where we keep you on Sunday mornings, uh, uh, down in the mines, deep below the church. Uh, uh, thanks for keeping the lights on. Sorry about the dust. But we wanted to kind of get you, uh, you know, into the spirit of the... You're giving me a very strange look right now. <laughs> One that I deserve. But anyway, we, we want to get you into the spirit of, of this series. And so I thought to kind of get you into the spirit of, of Big Present Christmas, we could do a little visualization exercise. Are you good for it? Okay. Yeah, good. You're, you are. Good. Layton is. Very good. Rosie is. Okay, so close your eyes. Close your eyes. The rest of you don't have to close your eyes. But what I want you to do is just stare at the students right now because there's nothing teenagers like more than people staring at them, okay? So go ahead and stare. You close your eyes, okay? And then I want you to do a little visualization exercise. I want you to think back to Christmas's past, and I want you to think about your best big present Christmas present, your best uh, BPC gift, okay? Something kind of coming through the, 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 the gauzy mist of memory right now. You have something? You have something? Something? Excellent. You all have something. Now, who, would be for, who wants to be first to come up and share it? Rosie, come on up here. Rosie Gillis, okay. Remembering uh, big present Christmases of the past, what's the present that really sticks out in your, your mind? Uh, when I was seven, I got an American Girl doll. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. Excellent. Okay, thanks for sharing. Who's next? Slayton, you got something in mind? No? Okay. Evie, anything? Come on, Evie. Come on. You have something in mind? Well, what's your, your, your favorite big present Christmas uh, gift from Christmas's past? Well, it's not really my favorite, but the only, the biggest gift I can remember. You're a, you are a deprived child, is what you're, you're saying? No, no, no. There's many gifts that I love, okay. but the biggest one I can remember is a giant, like, my dad got us a new toilet for our bathroom. <laughs> it was like, I looked under the tree and I was like, what is that? That's so big. And that's the only thing I can remember. I see. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's good. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, a big toilet. I, I appreciate the way you took the cue quite literally, as in big. Very good. That's good. Okay, who's next? Julia. Come on, Julia. Oh, come on, Julia. Okay, Julia Mendrigal here. All right. What comes to mind when you think of big present Christmas gifts of the past? Presents. <laughs> Just presents. The presence of your loving family. Is that what you're saying? Sure. <laughs> Sit down. Okay, Kaylee. Come on up here. Kaylee DeYoung. Kaylee, something comes to mind. Something comes to mind. What? Uh, I remember one Christmas I got a CD player from my grandparents. Hey, very nice. Very nice. excellent. That's good. Gavin, you have something in mind? Yeah, you, you, you want to pass on this one? Leo? Leo, come on up, Leo. Come on. Come on. Leo, by the way, put out all the patio furniture this morning. Do you appreciate him? Yeah. I got a ginormous vroom vroom car. A ginormous vroom vroom car? Yes, it crushes random things. <laughs> it crushes things? Very good. I got to get myself one of those. Okay. All right. St- middle schoolers, we love you. Stand up. Take a bow. Go ahead and clap for them for a part. That's good. All right. Well, why all this talk about the big present Christmas concept? Because for Christians, this really is true. It's not just rhetoric. Every single Christmas is a big present Christmas for us because every single Christmas we think back and re-receive and appreciate four humongous gifts that we have received from Jesus at Christmas. That's the big idea of this series. Last week, we unwrapped the first one, the gift of freedom. Today, we unwrap number two, and I think you're going to find it interesting. Let's reread our main passage, and then we'll get right to it. It's Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Listen to God's word for us. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you're children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a child, and of a child, then also an heir through God. This is God's word for us. We discover the second big Christmas present when we do some simple biblical math. And we add two words together at the end of verse 5, the words we and adoption. And here in the verse, Paul says very plainly that we who put our faith in Jesus the King are adopted as God's children. We are each given a new heavenly parent, the creator God himself. Well, if we think about it, if faith results in adoption, and everybody else who puts faith in Jesus is also adopted, it follows that to be in Christ is to be given a new family. And that's our second present of the series, family. Union with Christ, who came at Christmas, gives us a new family. Now, maybe some of us are kind of suspicious, and we're wondering, does Paul really have new family in mind when he talks about believers being adopted as God's children? And maybe we're kind of thinking to ourselves, you know, 
I wonder if that's pushing the metaphor a little bit too far. I, I know that he has in mind vertical relationships, but does Paul really have horizontal relationships in mind? Well, there's absolutely no question that he does, and I can show you very quickly. First, Galatians is jam-packed with references to brothers and sisters. Get this. Ten times in Galatians, which is a very, very short book, six chapters, Paul addresses the believers as brothers and sisters ten times. And those words tend to bounce off us. They don't really even penetrate our conscience as much anymore. But it's important to let them sink in to really get the new family character of Christianity. And it's not just in Galatians that Paul talks about believers being brothers and sisters. Paul refers to believers as brothers and sisters eight times in the book of Philippians, 10 times in the book of Romans, 23 times in his two letters to the Corinthians, 23 times in his two letters to the Thessalonians. And it's not just in Paul, Peter, James, John, the unknown writer of the book of Hebrews, they all address believers as brothers and sisters. Between the book of Romans and the book of Revelation, the phrase brothers and sisters appears 110 times. Second reason, we know that in talking about adoption, Paul is not just talking about a new relationship that is this way but he's talking about family relationships as well. And we know it because Paul describes the church as the family of faith. And let me tell you, every part of me wants to complicate this, but not even I can. It's right there. Paul says to be in Christ is to be given a new family. Now let that sink in for a minute. New family. Now, recently, saw a cartoon that cracked me up. It shows this woman who is obviously quite distraught. She's at a table, and she's got her head in her hands. And sitting across from her is uh, apparently a slightly clueless male companion who says this, Maybe try turning the mug around so its inspirational message faces you, okay? It is possible that that's how this second big present of Christmas strikes you. If you're honest, about as welcome as that guy's empty advice. And that's because for you, one family is enough. Thank you very much. And that's because when you think of family, you think of a lot of past hurt, or you think of present hurt. And admittedly, our families disappoint us, don't they? There's nothing about being in a family that insulates us from emotional bumps and bruises. And I know this from firsthand experience, because people who live with me tend to get bumped (laughs) and bruised by me. So this first big present may be one we're tempted to leave out on the porch, but we mustn't because we would be depriving ourselves, and here's why. Because Christianity creates all of the conditions 
that make new family life extraordinarily rich, maybe even richer than natural family life. Now, why would that be? Why is that the case? Think of it this way. You know, as we all know, it's sharing stuff, having stuff in common that really knits people's hearts together. And we see this at work in an everyday experience when, say, a grandchild comes into the family. And you find that when that happens, the grandparents on each side of the family suddenly feel so much more connected to each other when their kids have kids because suddenly they share something of inestimable value, even if they know deep in their hearts that they will always be the favorite Nana and Papa, right? <laughs> or cookie and fish. You don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to tell you. There are grandparents in this church whose grandchildren call them cookie and fish. That is so ridiculous. Have you ever heard of anything like that? Anyway, but here's the point. Christians, sorry, Kaylee, I just outed you there. But I owe her a dollar. Absolutely. Man. Gosh, the pastors are getting poorer by the minute in this series, service. Uh, but anyway, think for a second about all it is that Christians share. I mean, take this in. Let's catalog our commonalities as believing people. First of all, we have a shared identity. Think about this. All Christians, all people who have put faith in Jesus Christ, regardless of black or white, male or female, times or post, Cal Bear or Stanford Tree, we all have a fundamental identity. We're all children of God. With child of God as primary identity marker, we are all, think about this, the apple of the Creator's eye, every single one of us, fully known and fully loved. And that secure sense of self, it grounds us if we really let it sink in. And it gives us the freedom to reach out to other people safely without constantly retreating inward. That's the first thing we share. What's the second thing? We have a shared operating system. Every single one of us, all Christians, all people who put faith in Jesus, regardless of boy or girl, country or help hip hop, donut or bagel. We all have the same operating system, and it's God's Spirit. And this is one of the big punchlines of all of Paul's letters and really one of the punchlines of, of the New Testament. As Christians, regardless of skin color, sex, social background, we all have the same animating force, the same spirit, the same basic kind of personhood. And one of the most surprising and really wonderful confirmations of the truth of Christianity is that recognition of same spirit when we say get to know Christians from other countries. And as you'll remember, just a couple of months ago or so, we had Pastor Ernesto and Altagracia, two of our Dominican Republic partners here for a week-long visit. And that week, Alan and Dan Carl hosted this wonderful Italian feast uh, in their home in Moraga, and Alice and I got to attend. And I'm going to tell you, it could not have been a more enjoyable and wonderful experience. And during this celebration, I got to talk with Ernesto and Altagracia, uh, with Tom Yacino translating, and, and as they shared, and as they laughed, and as they reflected, it was so 
obvious to me that even though we don't speak the same language, we don't eat the same foods, we're not from the same country, we have the same indwelt spirit, the same spirit in us, inside us. Jesus Christ, I had the same experience four years ago when I took a short-term trip to Honduras, and it was so obvious to me as I talked with, prayed with, laughed with, ate with these wonderful Honduran ministry partners that our fundamental life force was the same. The same spirit in all of us making us recognizable to each other as fellow children of the one God and as fellow apprentices of the same Lord Jesus. And lastly, we share something else. The same life goal. Think about this, cleansed of sin freed from any obligation other than to be joyfully obedient to the living Lord Jesus Christ. We are all running, as Paul says in Galatians 5, 7, towards the same balloon arch, every single one of us. The goal of bringing a smile to our Creator's face by sowing to the Spirit and producing fruit to the very end when Paul says we will inherit eternal life. But let's not lose sight of the main point. Here's what it is. Because of all that we share, an identity, an operating system, a life goal, all the basic materials are there. The wood, the glass, the cobblestone for rich family life. It's all there. So how do we experience it? What's our part in realizing our new family potential. This is the most important part of the sermon, okay? I really want you to catch this. First, we seal in our minds all that we share. We don't ever forget about it. We refuse to forget our catalog of commonalities, recognizing that we have stuff in common as adoptees that far exceeds what we have in common with people who are differently spirited. And this means, again, that the conditions are ripe for a relational super bloom wherever Christians gather and right here on this hill. It can happen. Second, and this is very basic, to realize our new family potential to really let it bloom, we place family gatherings at the top of the to-do list. And here's what this means. We come to church regularly. We come to the well. We come to Edge and Riptide regularly. We don't ghost each other and disappear for long, long periods of time. We attend retreats like our upcoming men's retreat, March 3rd through 5th. The theme is the fight, and I've invited my twin brother to be the guest speaker. Darren is going to be here. Some of you wondered about him. Oh, you'll find out. Anyway. <laughs> I, I invited Darren because I care what is said in this retreat. <laughs> and I know Darren will give us something of tremendous substance. The theme is the fight. I want 100 hillside men there. That's a full platoon. You know, recently I was reflecting on all the forces, all the forces pulling us out of the church, sucking us out of the church. You know, there really is a cosmic Grinch trying to rip this present 
out of our hands, and he is a mean one, as the song goes. And this is how he operates. He lures us away through cable sports packages and discretionary income and old resentments. And you know what else he uses? Embarrassment. Embarrassment, maybe over a mistake or a misstep. That's right. Sometimes shame keeps us away from the family. We stumble somehow. People see it. And then we're too embarrassed to come back. A return to the very siblings who love us and who will almost certainly need our grace and our forgiveness about a week later. We have to defy this gravity and be here in person. Third, we land at family events eager to encircle and to affirm. We come to church looking for distant cousins to draw close to. And practically speaking, that means we're looking for people who we don't know well and talking to them and building rapport, bringing them into our friend groups. That's encircling. What about affirming? Let me explain this way. Famous fantasy series. Some of you have probably heard of. These, these great houses have words or mottos that they use, and they're usually full of attitude. Ours is the fury. That's one. We do not so. Forget it. It was dudes. We do not something. It was so. Righteous in wrath. That was another one. I have not talked to Allison and the boys about this, but I have words for the Sites family. You know what I want our words to be? Outdoing in showing honor. Listen to Romans 12.10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's what I want for our family. You know, one of the primary ways we build up our new family is we pour out honor on each other. And we're not embarrassed to do it, to affirm each other lavishly through words and appropriate touch and loving looks. But at the very least, we avoid dishonoring each other through careless comments or emotional withdrawal where we just won't look at somebody because we're mad or hurt. And I think we need to recognize, Hillside, that each of us Despite having Italian marble exteriors, are really like eggs. We are all very, very fragile, and we need kind words. Otherwise, we crack, even if nobody sees. Because without those, you know, cardboard cartons of 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 warmth of kindness, of welcome. We crack. Fourth, to realize our rich family potential, we have right here at Hillside. We eat together rather than eating each other. (laughs) Both clauses are critical here. I don't think there is a spiritual practice more important for us right now for building up our familyness than eating together. God's presence bubbles up like champagne when believers share a table. Tom and I were talking about this a few weeks ago. We can build the church meal by meal, coffee by coffee date, 
if we want to. And towards that end, Michelle and I are planning a Brunch for 10 event after church on Sunday, February 5th. I know you're thinking football. There is no football that day. It's the Pro Bowl, okay? Doesn't count. Here's our dream. Michelle's in my dream. 250 hillsiders spread from Moraga to Martinez, feasting in 25 distinct brunch sites. Wouldn't that be cool? Allison and I are going to host one. Who would be willing to host a brunch? Hold on. <laughs> Keep the hands raised. I wasn't really taking a picture because I can't do it that fast. Here's the point. There's so much family building potential in eating together, sharing meals, sharing coffee, and avoiding eating each other. You know, Paul's concerned about that too. Listen to Galatians 5.15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out (laughs) that you're not consumed by one another. Don't need to elaborate. And then finally, to realize our rich family potential, we've got to do this. We have to select a fraction of the family to focus on. Listen to Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, we can come to church, and we can greet and encircle and affirm and honor 15 people, okay? 25 if we're key on Amelie, okay? But what we can't do, because we're finite, is we can't really give the burden-bearing blood, sweat, and tears, sacrificial service and friendship to everybody. We're just too big. But here's what we can do. We can do it for our group. We can do it for the people in our group, our Oasis table group, our Kairos table group, our home group, the little group that's totally off the grid that we have created on our own for three basic practices. Does anyone remember what the three basic practices are? Jane. Yes, connection, reflection, exploration. That's right. If you do those three things, you're a hillside group. Now, you're on the group's team, so you're cheating a little bit. (laughs) But still impressive. We can go to the wall for the birds in our birdhouses. We can go to the wall for the eagles in our eerie. That's who we do it for. And you know what else? When we do that, when we live rich Christian family life, where we go to the wall for each other, you know what we're actually doing? We're doing some of our brightest light bearing. Listen to, listen to Jesus, 1721, Gospel of John. He prays that future believers would be one. What is that if not deep familiness? Like he and the Father are one, so that, he says, get this, the world will believe God sent me. That is our most powerful proof. You know, there is nothing I desire more for our church. And and actually, nothing I think is more important right now for realizing our Be Light in the World mission than upping our family game deepening our relationships, thickening them, building our family. But but here's the thing, it will take us all. 
Every single one of us. So of these five, let me ask you, is there one you'd be willing to focus on in Advent and beyond? Could it be just sealing in your mind all that we share? We have so much in common. The most important things, regardless of anything that might separate us. Could it be placing family events at the top of the to-do list or at least higher up? Could it be landing at family gatherings eager to encircle and to affirm and not being embarrassed to do so? Could it be eating with others rather than eating them? And could it be finding a fraction of the family to focus on? Going deep with a group, rather one that, that we have created, the groups team have created, or one you just make up on your own. And our groups team, Gary, Jane, Sarah, Marilyn, all of whom are in the room right now, they stand ready to help us all find our groups, and they'll help you. When Jesus gave his followers a, a ritual to celebrate the hope, to be mindful of their mission, what did he do? He gave them a church supper. <laughs> That's what communion is, and we're going to take communion right now. Communion, we remember a lot. We remember King Jesus died for us. We remember that someday King Jesus is going to return to renew creation. And yes, we remember our familyhood. That's what communion is. Servers, if you would come and take your places. This is the Lord's table. And Jesus, the king, who is alive and reigning right now, he's also the bread of life, and he invites us all who have trusted him as sun bearer to participate in this feast. And we, brothers and sisters, are invited to come to him. We're invited to throw ourselves before him, whatever state we're in right now, and to soak in his restoring love. Let's take a few moments to be silent before him, to feel his nearness, to soak in his grace. Because he's our dear father and he is our host this morning. Take a few minutes or a few moments to be silent before him. There are four stations. Three, thank you. Uh, one to the left, the Rutledges, one over here, Tim and Carol. And then Jane and I will have a, a roving one. Oh, and one in the back. I think that's, okay, that sounds good. Four total. Okay. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> in a minute, you'll be able to come forward uh, through the center aisle, and then subsequent folks can come forward. And as you approach uh, the front, the right or the left, uh, you can take the bread from one and the juice from the other, and then you can return to your seat in the outer rows. Uh, if you can, uh, wait to partake, and we'll all partake together. Yes. Those of you who are in the rear, if we have a station in the back near the double doors, if you'd like to partake there. 
And for those of you who can't move easily, um, just wait, and Dan and I will come around. Just raise your hand, and we'll serve you there. Some of you are, uh, uh, have not put your faith in Jesus yet. That's okay. We're, we're glad you're here making the exploration, but maybe you're, you're thinking, I, I would like a blessing. I won't tar- partake in the meal, but I'd like a blessing. We invite you to come forward. And if you, you cross your arms, you'll indicate to us that, that you would like us to bless you. And that the, the, the servers here are prepared to do that. They'll give you the wonderful blessing from the book of Numbers, chapter 6. They would love to do that. You know, as people of the Evangelical Covenant Church, we, we don't believe that you have to be a member of this, serve, uh, this church to take communion. We think that, 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 that everybody who knows Jesus as Lord is free to partake. So maybe you're here for the first time. You're from another church. If you know Jesus as Lord, this meal is, is for you. And also I'll say, you know, nothing keeps you if you don't know Jesus from believing in him right now, putting your faith in him right now. And if you do that, this meal is for you. You could do it right now. You could say, Jesus living Lord, I believe you're the king. I believe you came. You took on flesh. You lived a perfect life. You died on the cross. You rose again. You ascended. Someday you're coming back. You poured out the spirit on your people. You know, I believe that. And I'm making that my story. You've become a Christian, and this meal is for you. Come on forward. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given things, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Father, You have graciously accepted us, living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, you have reanimated us with your Spirit. Thanks for the strength you've given us in this meal. Thanks for the difference it's going to make this week as we do everything you've called us to do, including building up our familyhood. We pray this in gratitude, in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's celebrate in song. Let's stand as we do. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful,
Thank you, John, for leading us. Thank you, Catherine, for leading us. Do you appreciate our interim directors? Thank you. The prayer team is going to be up here. They would love to pray for you before you go. So uh, like we say, put them to work. Your benediction. May God make this upcoming week one that overflows with peace, with joy, with a sense of our God's nearness, and with many opportunities to build up the family. God bless you. We'll see you soon.